0: It's the morning show that no one knows and no one is talking about. I said no one is talking about, but if they did, they'd probably say it's the best way to start today with Rach and Dave. Well, 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 top of the morning. Hello. Good morning. My name is Dave. Welcome to the Tuesday morning edition of the Start Today Morning Show. I am here by myself. Good morning. Uh, I am uh, happy that you've joined us. Uh, If you've stumbled into this live stream and you wonder what is actually happening, be not alarmed. We do this every weekday morning, except for yesterday, apparently, at 9 a.m. Central, here from Austin, Texas, or just outside of. We are a community of humans who are unlike each other. We don't know uh, the same things. We don't look the same or act the same. We don't love the same, vote the same, believe the same things, but we come together in community on the regular to try and encourage each other and live our best dang lives. Where is Rachel Hollis? That is the question of the day. You know where Rachel Hollis is? Noah Hollis You know this monster, this two-year-old human being, Rachel, is with Noah Hollis this morning who has her first dance recital. (laughs) I am so excited to see the video from Noah Hollis living her best life because when I was leaving the house today, she was wearing uh, tights. She had on a leotard and then she put on uh, Adidas track pants as if uh, DJ Khaled and Run DMC were inspirations in her life. So she's about to go do some stuff. I, uh, I think she's doing some tap. I think she's doing, uh, she's gonna do a whole host of things. So I'm excited for her. But Rachel Hollis, being the great mama that she is, was like, I cannot, for one second, miss seeing this small human daughter that I dreamt my entire life of, having her first dance recital, even if this dance happens to coincide with the Start Today Morning extravaganza. And I don't disagree. So uh, I'm excited for her, and I am excited to get to see whatever this dancing thing is the next time. So y'all, buckle on up. We're gonna have ourselves a little time together this morning, and a couple of things. One, I'm sitting in my office. I've had many a question about the picture that sits over my shoulder and we're going to have a conversation about this picture, my running on Sunday, Brad and Jen and how all of them come together. Alright? So, this picture, let's start with this picture. One day, years ago, Rachel Hollis and I are in a wine store in Pasadena, California. What? Yes, we were in a wine store. And this wine store doubled as a showcase of local artists, and this baby is hanging on the wall. And what is this? This red dot in the middle has the word happiness on it. And the interesting thing about all of these circles is that the thing that it requires, the things that are required to get to happiness, the red dot in the morning, is traversing through all of the emotions to be able to get there. Some of the rings, they're positive things. Some of the rings, they're negative things. But I, man, living here, doing this work, making the transitions that I've made, coming to terms with my identity, being comfortable to own the struggles that I've had in my life, I didn't even appreciate when we got this thing how meaningful this would be. This used to hang in my house and because it's just become such a part of this truth that I now sit in every single day, I'm like, it needs to be in my office because I wanna have a reminder every day that the path to happiness requires pushing through shame, that the path to happiness requires pushing through feelings of inferiority, that the path to happiness requires being terrified and doing it anyway, that it requires all of these things, right? There are plenty of positive things on here, but honestly, my experience has been if I want to have a life that is full and fulfilled, I have to totally think differently about the price of entry, what's required to get to that thing, and what's required is going through all of these things, right? All of these things, both the good things and the bad things. And thinking differently about the way that the things that have happened in my life have prepared me and opened up the possibility for happiness in the middle has been a game-changing, life-changing thing, right? So the headline for me is happiness, yep, it's possible, but happiness is only possible if you can hold the power of what happiness requires, and that is persevering through fear owning the hard things pushing past shame when you're struggling raising your hand up and letting people know that there's struggle i'll pull this up just for a second so you all can see it without my head in the way right if you're looking at it on instagram it may look backwards but you'll have to do the work to read it the other way or you can go onto facebook and you can see it in real time but i man I am here for and feeling the importance of pushing through, persevering through how the hard things, the struggle that you're going through is for you. And here's what's interesting. Uh, I put up a post, a whole host of stories about my running a half marathon on Sunday in the fastest time I'd ever run a half marathon. And I ran this half marathon because... Uh, I am preparing myself for a marathon and in running the half marathon this weekend I decided in the middle of the run to run the fastest I'd ever run which was a big deal in part of where in part of because of where my my running journey began I was told for years and years and years and years that I because of my height could not be a runner. I was told by people that had authority in my life that I loved or that I craved love from that their love for me was here in part to protect me from the possibility of hurting myself because of my height by pursuing running and I heard that story so many times that I accepted it as gospel capital T truth in my life and I did not run and then six years ago I decided to take on a challenge from a coworker and I ran and I didn't run fast and I didn't run without stopping. I just ran. And in trying to confront something inside of the unknown, I just rewired, rewrote what was possible through the lens of my experience because I challenged something that someone else believed by doing something for myself that made that thing that they believed untrue, okay? So, six years ago, I can't run a single mile without stopping. I ran a half marathon this weekend in one hour and 54 minutes. That feels like a brag, guess what? I am bragging, because that's a fast half marathon. I broke the two hour barrier. I was so proud of it, but interestingly, if you saw my stories, I started Giving updates around mile four and in the fourth mile, I actually got on and I said, wow, I am running too fast. My pace is too fast for me. I am running faster than I should be running because I can only run a certain speed for a certain length of time. So, man, here I am. I'm out here. I'm running, but I'm running too fast. Fast forward to the halfway point in the race. And I've got to the halfway point now in 54, 53, 54 minutes and I come on here I am doing my story like a weirdo while I'm running talking about the fact that here I am 6.55 miles into a 13.1 mile race and I am running too fast still. I have just completed half the race in 53, 54 minutes And in real time, as I'm talking into this story, I say out loud something that I was not planning to say, which is it's occurring to me in real time that I am running fast enough to complete this race in under two hours. So now I just have to go do it, which like if you were like watching as a spectator at home may have felt like a glib throwaway statement. But honestly, in my mind at that time, I just decided, you know what? You are running fast but you're like telling yourself a story that you're running too fast is only a story. If you believe it to be a story, just choose right now, just right now in this second in real time, choose that you're going to finish this race in under two hours. So I said, okay, I'm just going to go run an under two hour half marathon. I'm going to go do it. And by the time I got to mile 10, I'd been doing something that I didn't believe to be a possibility in my life for so long. That the idea that maybe I couldn't do it or that I wouldn't do it or that I can't do it was gone. Now, because I'd set myself at that pace for so long in my life, not the story of somebody else, not the story in my head, the practical application of my ability to move my feet, I knew I was going to do it. And I ran at a pace of 8 minutes and 43 seconds per mile for 13.1 miles. I finished in 1 hour and 54 minutes. Ah! I have never felt so accomplished in anything I've done physically outside of maybe climbing that dang mountain. And the reason why I tell the story is two years ago, I couldn't run a single mile at 8 minutes and 43 seconds. Not one single mile. But because I've been training, because I've been challenging the things that I believe, because I appreciate that the way to get to the red circle in my fitness journey is to push past the stories that I've told myself over the course of time, I did it. I did it and in doing it, one, I got to feel the pride, the sensation, the glory of throwing a dang medal around my neck. I went out there by myself, did it, did it with a couple of friends, but it, like, this wasn't me and Rachel. I wasn't being pushed. I pushed myself, went out and did it. But two, now that I know how fast I can run and how fast I can run for how long I can run, it's totally rewired and changed the way that I think about what is possible for how fast I can run going forward. It's a big analogy, y'all. If you're not picking this up, this is a big analogy. The, the, the entire point of this story is someone somewhere has told you a story about what you are capable of, and if you have given weight to believing the story that has created the capital T truths in your life without testing the hypothesis of the possibility that you are capable of something beyond their belief, then you are living by their rules and not your abilities. And you have to push past the possibility that someone else who thought better of you, what about your knees, Dave? Don't don't run your back, it's about your hips. The people who were telling me about what my knees or my back or my hips could do or not do on a racetrack were operating out of a posture of their own fear and not my own abilities and someone Forget it. It might not be about running. It could be about speaking. It could be about selling. It could be about how you parent. It could be about anything on this planet. But dang it, if you are listening to the narrative, if you're listening to the story that someone else has devised about the limits that you have to live inside of, you are relinquishing your power to their fear. That is crazy. It is crazy crazy, it's self-defeating, it doesn't serve you, it's not going to, right, it's not going to, to serve you. And here's the thing, how did I start running? One slow, short distance at a time, right? I didn't like get up one day and decide, oh, I'm a runner, I don't care what they say, I'll just go run 13 miles. No, I ran one unbelievably slow mile, Then I ran just a little more. Then I ran just a little faster. Then I ran just a little more, a little faster. Whatever it is that currently keeps you from believing that you are capable of or that you are entitled to or that you are worthy of or enough for or qualified, whatever limiting thing that you are believing, usually because it's come from a voice of someone you love or crave love from, whatever that is, you have to choose if you are going to believe that truth as your truth. Because their truth is often grounded in their fear. They're representing that it's in your best interest is sometimes not necessarily the case. Right? Alright, so that's number one. Number two, I have been a huge, huge advocate of thinking about how the stories of your past, whether they're stories that have been told to you, right? Dave, you're not a runner, or the stories of your past. You've gone through experiences, and in those experiences, you've assigned weight, positive or negative weight, to those experiences affect what you believe to be possible for your life today, how you hold hope or hopelessness, that you believe in opportunity or things that will hold you back, The the stories that you tell or the stories that you believe are the gating factors that will keep you from achieving whatever you want to go and achieve. Let's talk about Brad and Jen. This is a strange segue, but I think it's important just for two seconds. The the internet for the last two days, the, the internet for the last two days with Brad and Jen meeting backstage after they both won a SAG award was like the hope that humanity's been waiting for. Like, oh my goodness, the way that she's in the audience, staring at him, and oh my goodness, he's touching the side of her arm, and oh my goodness, right? And here's the thing. I want everyone to be happy. I want Brad to be happy. I want Jen to be happy. And frankly, I want y'all to be happy. But also, this is important. Sometimes, we go through something called revisionist history. Sometimes, right, Rachel was talking about this in her stories last night and it prompted this thought. Sometimes we change the way that something actually happened to have a story that serves our fear, that serves our worry, that serves our negotiating with ourselves for what we ultimately end up deserving. I don't know if you all remember, and man, like, I don't want to get the story wrong because I really, frankly, wasn't even paying attention that much back then. But if memory serves, I think Brad was not a gentleman at the end of their relationship, right? Like, he was not a champion for Rachel Green, that he, he, he may be an amazing, redeemed, unbelievable person today, but then he was not. Okay? And I can remember, this is, it's crazy. Like, I wrote, a, I wrote a chapter in my book about a time when I was cheated on. Before Rachel, I was cheated on by someone, and the, like, progression of the way that my brain processed the pain of walking into something hey walk into a room oh my goodness this is traumatizing to slowly as time went by changing the narrative of the story in a way that made me even though she decided to stay with this other human pine for this person who had decided that she was not interested in being with me. I rewrote, like revisionist history my way through what happened to me in a way that totally undercut the standard that I need to hold myself to and the, the, the Jen and, and, and I mean, who cares about Brad and Jen? I mean, like they're amazing. I think they're great. But what all I could think of was man. Time has a tendency to change the facts of the case, right? Time has a tendency to change the facts of the case. And if you can't stay connected to the truth of your experience, if you can't stay connected to the struggle and how real it was, the pain and how important it was for you to process, you will not get the full benefit of having survived it, of having endured it, of having learned from it, of having grown from it. So here I am. I'm back at my red dot, right? My red dot here is the word happiness and all of the emotions, all of the things that you have to go through. And as much as there is going to be a temptation to revise the experiences that you've gone through, so that they don't hurt as much as they did. I'm I'm, I'm urging you, instead of changing the story in its fact, instead of changing the facts of the story, change the meaning of the facts. Keep the facts the same and change the meaning of what those facts now, having survived it, apply to your life today, right? any time you try and discount the way that somebody has treated you, you are doing yourself a disservice. You are doing yourself the, the disservice that may in fact have you walking into relationship that would have you settling for someone who doesn't respect how great you are. That doesn't treat you the way that you deserve to be treated. And I like, I just, I know it in my bones, you have to resist the temptation to recolor the hard things that you've been through as if they didn't happen and instead appreciate how strong you are because of having survived the excruciating nature of the thing that you went through how much you learned from having felt fallen so flat on your face the facts are the facts and the facts it like the facts at the beginning, right? If someone's asking, weren't you a jerk to Rachel and she took you back, isn't that a chapter of Girl, Wash Your Face? It is, and here's the interesting thing. Part of what I write in this chapter is, I, in the aftermath of having been cheated on, did not allow myself to get close to anyone for a very, very long period of time. I changed the way I was in relationship with people. I wouldn't fully let them in. I didn't treat them the way they deserved to be treated. I, in distorting the facts of what happened during that window of time where I was cheated on, completely rewired what I thought I had to do to protect myself from being hurt again. The the chapter in the book, it's a lie, the lie is If she doesn't love me, then I'm not lovable. If she doesn't love me, then I'm not lovable. And I believed this lie, I believed this story because I came out of this broken experience in a relationship and then distorted the facts of the relationship in a way that absolutely, like it just ruined any relationship that I had after it and almost ruined the chance for Rachel and I to have the kind of relationship that we ultimately ended up having, right? Rachel writes about the stories of the beginnings of us meeting, and I'm still this broken, contorting, the facts of the past version of myself in a way that had me showing up inauthentically, in a way that had me not able to fully open my heart and connect with her, keeping her at arm's length, all of that, right? But if I'd been able to see the facts clearly, hey, this person who decided to cheat on me, they are a jerk. (laughs) they just have decided to do something that is a breach of what I deserve in a relationship and they're entitled to like or want to be with whoever they want to be with because it's their choice. It's not an indictment on me not being enough. If I could have seen that clearly then forget about it. I would have treated every person I was in relationship with after completely differently. But if you are interested, if you're interested in hitting this dot, the happiness in the center, I do truly believe that you have to stay connected to the truth in the facts of your story so that as you persevere, push through, as you learn from your mistakes, as you are able to be humbled by the way that life inevitably teaches you hard lessons, you don't diminish the power of that lesson by rewriting the facts of the lesson itself. I am the person I am. Right this second, strong and proud of who I am because of, and it's been a like a shorter term thing, because of my ability and willingness to not try and negotiate how things have happened in my life that I'm not proud of. Trying not to spin or PR the way that the struggles that I've been through have like not really happened. No, 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 it wasn't really that bad. It was. It was really that bad. It was really that bad. And if I can own how bad it really was, then I will get the full benefit of the learning that comes out of owning the facts of that experience. Don't rewrite your history. Do reorient, reframe the way that you assign positive or negative value to those hard things, like own the hard crap. It sucks that it happened. You didn't deserve that it happened. No one should have had to go through what you had to go through, but you went through it. So don't you dare diminish the fact that it happened. Own the fact that it happened. Be proud of having been able to be resilient through something that others shouldn't have had to deal with and and get the fruit of every single kernel of learning that could have come through it, right? I mean like, We like shame or embarrassment or the fear of being judged all the reasons all the things frankly that are on this circle if you right if you try and diminish what you had to go through you're diluting the power of what it would have meant to fully own what you actually had to push through to get there Dean. You are resilient. Take credit for your resiliency. You are strong. Take credit for your strength. You are human. Own the fact that we all struggle. Struggle is universal, and I'm here to say that if you can own it and learn from it without changing the story of what actually happened, but reframing the value that you assigned to the negative as having been for you. Now that you are here, you are strong for having survived it. It'll change the entire way you approach all the things, including running. Look at me. I'm gonna bring it back real quick to the running. If I had to listen to the stories of what other people told me, if I had to listen to the stories in my own head as I started my running journey, Right? Somebody tells you a story for so long, you can't run because you're tall. The first time you go out and run as a tall person, you will look for evidence to corroborate the hypothesis of somebody else's fear. And so, yep. at the beginning of my running, when I'm running, I'm like, Ooh, is that my knee? Is that my hip? Is that my back? Like I'm actively looking to confirm this story I heard for my entire life because that's the way humanity works. And it was only when I finally was able to say, you know what, I'm gonna write my own story by continuing to push into this place to find out if this story is my story. Somebody's been telling you a story about your family of origin, about who you can or can't be as a woman, what you can or can't achieve as someone who's this old or not old enough. All of those stories. They have truth if you believe them. And if you believe them, you will go out and find evidence that make them true. Or you can decide to write your own story, which dang it, that is hard. But if you do it, and not only if, but when you do it, you will find, like I did halfway through the run, a belief in yourself to do something that you did not believe you could do before. I am going to finish this half marathon in under two hours and I just made my legs run that fast because of a decision that I was capable of it. You are going to have to decide that you're capable of it too. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a half hour of yell talking. I mean, the throat is scratchy. I'm excited for your Tuesday. I got to team staff meeting happening in exactly 30 seconds. So y'all, I'm heading out there. I want you to have a fantastic day today. If you want to get to this red dot, you want some happiness in your life, you better be ready for a journey that requires pushing past shame, pushing past fear, pushing past struggle as being an indictment on you, not being a whole great enough human as you are right this second. Go get it. We'll see you tomorrow. Rachel Hollis and I will be back. And tomorrow, special guest Trent Shelton is going to join us tomorrow, y'all. We'll see you then. Have a fantastic Tuesday. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening to the Start Today Morning Show podcast. If you want to actually see the episodes, make sure you tune in in the morning every weekday, 8 a.m. Central, on Facebook and Instagram, on basically every channel we have. Our theme song is from Sarah Sunshine. Follow her at The Sarah Sunshine. Our executive producer is Cameron Berkman. The show is produced by Chelsea Harfouch and Kevin Westlake. With production help from Nicole Fisher. And I'd like to give special thanks to Hawk, the fish that will never die.